This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Talking Devils Manchester United podcast. I'm your host Wayne Barton. I'm joined as usual by former Manchester United defender Paul Parker. Good morning, Paul. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you, Wayne. Good morning to you as well. I'm fine. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Oh, good evening. Good afternoon, wherever you're listening to in the world at the moment. Um. Yeah. We said it last week. Oh, what a rare thing! United have got two wins for us to talk about, but they've gone and done it again. I can't believe it. Um. One thing last week, um, obviously there's some some great things to talk about this week, but one thing I did want to start off with saying is the the cautionary note that we started with on last week's podcast, uh, sorry, started with, we were talking about with the the Norwich City game, and we were saying he's made eight changes, Um, it's not the best kind of squad to be able to make eight changes with, you know, you're going to be taking a bit of a chance, but when a manager is vindicated when his team wins and they play well especially as they started against Brighton because I'll say this from the start I looked at that and I thought Luke Shaw, Harry Maguire I'm not sure they should be starting against Brighton because they played the full game against um, against Norwich but United started really well they did what I thought that they would do against Norwich you know, win the game early and then make the changes um, so I wanted to, to sort of give the props to Ollie for that and say, you know, <laughs> you've proved me wrong. I'm happy for you to say that. Uh, happy for you to have done that. Um, and he did the right thing in the end. Um, Paul, 
the game against Brighton, especially considering the way that we've we've played there the last two seasons, and you know they've outfought us down there. They they've looked a lot better than us. They've looked more vibrant than us. I think, and maybe the crowd. I, I did feel a little bit sorry for Brighton, and I have done more than most teams because of the fact that you know they don't have the crowd there, and it might have an impact on their uh, relegation struggle. But you can only judge on what what you're seeing, and, and United played with much more verve, much more positivity, much more aggression from the start. Um, how impressed were you, particularly with that first half performance? Well, first of all, <clears throat> I don't really feel sorry for Brighton. <laughs> because they're one of the first clubs who started whinging about football football coming back and they were finding all the best excuses why they didn't want football to come back. And now they're mostly very, very happy football's come back because it's come back and they know that they're going to be in the Premier League next season. You know, that's what it boils down to with them. So they tried their best to get out of it and tried to save themselves from getting relegated. But things have worked out for them. They've, They've done okay to a point. But they're not going to get relegated, I think we have to come out and say. But going back to Manchester United, I would say that all that was a really good all-round performance in certain ways. It was definitely that what you look for as an aside attack and you look at a few individuals as well. And it, and it was very, very good at a place where United just haven't really shown up. And I think we have to look at that and say a lot of that might have been down to maybe a few individuals who weren't in the right mind. Some was some individuals had actually correct themselves and are still there playing and playing well in that Manchester United team. And there's mostly players who, who didn't play in maybe in the last two occasions who aren't playing regularly or are not at the club anymore. So things have definitely stepped forward and and Oli has managed to turn things around in the right fashion in that sense really and go into places where United were always expected to win. And they weren't doing it. So that's a, that, that, will, that makes a big, big difference on the points you collect. And when you look at the points that United have collected this season, and when you look at the points which they didn't collect, you look at some of the places where they were lost and the games at Old Trafford, you have to say to yourself that United weren't right at that given time because you put the two together, those, um, the results and the performances in those games, you knew that United weren't right now when you do it. United are definitely better because I've always said it, and you've heard me many times, United aren't just about winning games. There's a, it's about a fashion to which they win those games and people are starting to see that swagger again. Yeah, they were they were very good. And you mentioned some of the changes. I just want to go through some of the players who played in um, the, the last game we played where you know we capitulated in the first half. Um, Ashley Young, Eric Bai, Fred... Pereira, Lingard, Mata, Lukaku, Fellaini. A lot of those guys who, you know, some of them are still at the club. And not, you know, some of them have done well as well and, you know, turned it around. Um, but you can see a clear change in emphasis in, in the way that um, Ollie's done, uh, done things. Um, the game, really, and we'll talk about him a little bit later on, but Mason Greenwood, um, fantastic goal that he scored. Um, where he is becoming his sort of trademark, isn't it? That little shimmy, and he's able to do this thing where he, he can cut the ball back at the near post or put it across the goalkeeper. More often than not, it seems he's doing it at the near post, but you still think that he's clever enough to trick the keeper and send it the other way as well. Um, 
United needed a breakthrough. I honestly thought as well, I was saying about the changes, you know, Shaw and Maguire might not have started. I thought that Mc, uh, Greenwood, they'd, they'd been a big clamour for him to play in the games and he'd obviously played against Norwich and he'd played against um, Sheffield United the week before and he hadn't made a massive impression. So I was thinking, this guy, and I know he's on the 18, but he probably kind of needed this big statement Um and obviously goes and scores it, and then he's involved in that um, fantastic third goal as well. Um, was that a game then for you, Paul? Do you think that you've looked at that and think, you know, he's played his way into into the first eleven? It's not about playing his way into be honest. I'm, and I've said it again a few times: is that when you get a young player and <clears throat> you and you like him, you give him a little bit of a taste, as he's had a taste, and it comes to a point where you say to yourself, yeah. I do fancy him. And then you've got to play him, but you have to give him a run and that belief that he's going to play regularly. You have to let him know that certain players need to know that, but they're going to play. You need that preparation. They need it early. And I think he could be one of them. And Oli has allowed him to get on with it and to be involved. And now he's, he's really involved. Now, because he's a Manchester United youngster doing well, the press want to talk about him the press want to write about him playing for England which is for me is awful it's terrible that they want to do that to a young kid they want to start throwing all this at him given everything that's gone on the most important thing for that boy is to do well in his club and to play regularly when he does and to play regularly for his club that's what that's what he wants to do every fan wants to see that boy doing well but to start throwing up England is is wrong He's, he's still young and he hasn't he hasn't learnt enough. As we've seen before, the games he's been out, he's disappeared and we've all had opinions, well, where is he? We ain't doing this and we have to accept he's young, there's going to be inconsistencies. There's certain people who can just hit the ground and it run in and it goes incredible. Wayne Rooney comes to mind for England. He just went, but he's not in that same as Wayne. He hasn't maybe had that kind of lifestyle that Wayne had as a kid growing up, being in in that kind of situation where things had to happen, he had to, he had a, he, he's growing up different to what Wayne mostly did, and so it takes that little bit more time. And now straight away, other people are trying to rush it through and put him under even more pressure. And as you can see, I think he's a little bit more relaxed. You don't get much when you look at him. He's got a card player's face, yeah, and the way he plays the game doesn't show anything. And to be honest, there's nothing in a, in a player the way he plays. There's nothing wrong with that. You can see that people might throw up about the way Martial is, but he's a complete, completely different animal to Martial. You, you see a lot more. I've seen a lot more in his games already than what maybe I've seen in twenty games in Martial. Yeah. In, no, in, in, yeah. in just the way he plays, you just believe that there's something there. But more importantly, you know that he wants to try and do something. You know that he wants to win a game. You know he wants to play well. That's the difference in him that I see compared to Martial. So where he's going to be his best position, no one knows. But at the moment, he's wandering across that front line. And every time he gets the ball and he's got a bit of space around him in the final third, now everybody is expecting something to happen. And normally I would come out and say, he's the kind of player who would get fans off their seats. Well, to be honest, the fans are getting off their settees at this moment in <laughs> yeah, time. So, I can vouch for that. Yeah, yeah. So it's, a, so it's a bit different, but it's great that now United are getting that, where prior to Ollie, 
they wasn't getting that at all really they wasn't getting anywhere near that because people in the end were kind of not wanting to get up because they was worried about the disappointment that was going to follow next now there's that little bit of belief again which is something compared to the last few years so which and they're looking around it but it's not just about one individual there's others as well and collectively everything has has moved on immensely from what it was prior to Oli being manager and even times when he became manager when it was difficult for him to get what he wanted because the people around didn't want it as much as him he's changed it he has completely changed it it's the same book but at the moment in time there's a different story being written absolutely and I think that was sort of reflected in the third goal at Brighton where Maguire heads it out Matic hits this pass um, Greenwood racing down the left and crosses it for Fernandez. All of those, you think, are sort of little factors that we've got from Oli being in charge. Obviously, the signings, uh, the the obvious ones, bookending that goal. You've got Maguire heading it out and Fernandez scoring it. But you've got the um, desire to give Matic another chance and to keep him in the team. Um, and then you've got the the giving Greenwood a chance and keeping him in the side as well. These are all things that Ollie's done, which perhaps haven't been done under previous managers. Um, in the way that you know it's been done in this circumstance, for example, um, and it was a thrilling goal as well, the third goal. Now you've got Gary Neville jumping out straight afterwards and sort of saying, "Oh, it's just like the Arsenal goal, uh, the goals that we scored against Arsenal on the break a couple, um, maybe about ten years ago now." Maybe even longer than that. But um, then you've got the comparisons, and apparently this goal was like a fraction of a second quicker um, than, than those goals. I still think, um, Paul, as, as much as you know, I, I did, you, don't get me wrong, I'm thrilled by the goal and thrilled by everyone who played the part in it. I just look at it and I think, please don't say things like that. Let this team develop in their own way. That, that team was the best in Europe at the time. They do not need these kind of comparisons, um, especially someone like Greenwood, who, you know, the club are looking at and they're thinking, oh my God, this is, you know, a player that we haven't seen since the likes of Whiteside or, or Hughes, you know, that kind of domestic, um, homegrown striker impact. Um, the way that he, even Ryan, in a way, you know, the, there's so many players that you're going to compare him to because of the, the breakthrough that he had. So you, you can get excited. Um, but I think that if you start going over the top, and I don't want to be that person who says don't get carried away, but when you look at a goal as good as it was, the third goal against Brighton, you just want to enjoy it for what it was, don't you? You don't want to be saying, oh, it's, it's just like that Arsenal goal that we scored. Well, I think if Nev wasn't working for Sky and maybe chasing headlines, he'd mostly be a bit different and maybe being a bit like you, Wayne, to be honest, really, and not going too overboard because it can change quite a bit and it, or it can put a load of pressure on the young players we've seen already with the statements about him playing for England and he doesn't need that at this moment in time. It was, it was a great goal. The only thing I would say is, which was the most obvious one, is it's a goal which you'll turn around and say, that's Manchester United. Mm. Uh, at all eras, yeah. in all decades, that was a Manchester United goal. That was the kind, and they had the kind of players who could do that. That was something that people were were saying they they wanted to see during since the time Sir Alex left. They wanted to see goals like that and United playing like that, kind of off the cuff. It's something that you talk about, but it's off the cuff, and it just when it happens, it looks so good, and and it and it did it, the way it happened, and it. For me, yeah, that's Manchester United. 
and you get on with it. But people haven't seen it, so the moment it does happen, people want to jump up and down and add it on to what's happened before and looking at situations. And before, if this, car- if this carries on as it is the way they're going in this, in, the, in this lockdown league and they'll end up winning the lockdown league, um, someone's going to come out and say that Manchester United can win the league next season. Someone's going someone's to want to say that because it's going to be, I told you first, I said it. Because of the fact of they're looking at their form no one's going to look at the big points difference. Everyone's going to look at it as it is now and the way teams are playing now and say that United can compete if they win the league. That's what someone's going to want, someone's going to, want to say. It. I don't know if they're really going to believe it, but that's what they're going to want to say, judging as things are now. It's a, it's a big call to come and say that because common sense says you have to look at the points difference and ask the questions why Manchester United ended up as they are so far behind. But on the other side of it, you look at the way things are, and you look how they're how they're tailing off, and it does give it does, you know, make you think. Hold on a minute here, they are they are better than when they started the season. They are better than what they were up till Christmas. So you say to yourself, they definitely can bring that points that points difference down by a great big difference over fifty percent. Yeah, it's incredible. What it is. I mean, they've mm. done so well, and let, while we're talking about the sort of apprehensive aspects of United at the moment, let's talk about the Bournemouth game because there were a couple of shaky moments in there. Um, obviously, the first goal didn't look great, but the way that I've described this in my write-up for the website poll is that few goals are scored without some kind of defensive imperfection. And and sure, you know what? It doesn't look good on Maguire. He's cut out. It doesn't look good on De Gea, the first goal. So you look at it and you think, oh, yeah, could have done better. And everyone's ready to sort of damn, damn those players and say, you know, it's another mistake from De Gea and it's a reason for why Maguire's not good enough at that level. Those arguments may be right in time, but the way that I also look at it is that United have still got one of the best defensive records in the league. Teams will score goals against us, especially when you're playing with five committed attacking players. That's the risk that Ollie is taking. I don't say that he's forgiving the defensive mistakes, but what I'm saying is you're going to see a few more of those because of the commitment that Ollie's making to attack, and surely that's what we want to see rather than the other way around. Um, so, I mean, obviously, you've got the Maguire thing, and then he, um, Ollie brings on Eric Bayer at half time, and <laughs> it's a disastrous first five minutes, really. Um, before we talk about all the good, let's just dwell a little bit on the, the bad. What do you think of that? Do you think I'm being too generous to them by saying, you know, these things happen? <laughs> I think Maguire has made some not he's made some not so good mistakes. They're not good on the eye. They're blatantly obvious of what his weaknesses are. I think some of his weaknesses now are coming up, and what people thought they were good about his ability, what he what he does on the ball. People are starting to say, "So hold on a minute, is is, is this as is he as good as what people say they are, as what we thought he was?" And I think the answer to that maybe in a certain way is no. If you want an out and out, if you want somebody who's actually is a centre half by definition, and the fact of the way the person looks, he's a centre half. There's no, there's no buts about it. He, he has to be centre half. There's no other position for him. But I think we're just seeing a little bit too much where he's going to have to get back and play the game simple. 
he's trying desperately hard to play from the back and it just does it's just not going to happen all the time for him he's just he goes on that left and I keep saying it but he has to play on the right so if he is in a little bit of trouble he can escape on his right side and maybe if he has to use his left but but while he's on that left-hand side and he gets in that position, he's putting himself under so much pressure. And I don't think United at the moment are a team that you want to play too often from, from the baseline or from the edge of the six-yard box. It puts, it puts David De Gea under immense pressure. He doesn't, he's not comfortable doing it. On a few occasions, he went long because he wasn't comfortable giving it to him. And I make him right doing that because it will fall back on him. Someone will find a reason to blame him for it like they did the goal. The goal was Maguire being beaten like that on the byline is, is awful. I'm sure United won, but I like to think that he had a sleepless night thinking about what happened to him on that byline. Because mm-hmm. he, you know, he got absolutely mangled by Stanislas. Absolutely mangled. Do I blame De Gea for the goal? No, I'm coming out and saying it's a great finish. What's wrong in a goalkeeper conceding a, a, a goal at the near post? It's an old adage now. It's one that's moved on. If the goalkeeper lets the ball in the near post, goalkeeper's fault. Why? What about the fault of Maguire? That he, he got put in that position in an area where is it, if he puts it, if it goes straight across the front of him along the six-yard box, is everyone going to come out and blame him for that? That he should have dealt with that and got out there and maybe flicked it away with his foot or something because we was praising him before the way he uses his feet. Mm. But everyone is quick to jump on the back of him. People have short memories. They have to remember what that man gave Manchester United. First of all, he got he won them a Europa League with a, you know with some of the saves he was making for a poor team to win it, and then he got him into the Champions League prior to being in the Europa League. Yeah. So he, he, he's done immense, and people are forgetting they want to knock him. Everyone, oh, United to go and do something. They need a goalkeeper. They need a top goal. He's a top goalkeeper. And maybe in his mind, and I've said this just recently a few times, maybe he's not comfortable playing in front of the back four. He's not comfortable playing with them. He doesn't feel assured and it's affecting his mind in certain situations about the people in front of him. The same as people would question players about they're not comfortable or reasons why. Look at Pogba. and I think I said it before. Why, why, why all of a sudden, you know, people are questioning Pogba? Well, yes, there was a problem with maybe in his head, but it could be a lot of that as well, B. He's, he doesn't trust the people around him. He doesn't think they're good enough. He thinks he should be playing with better players than what he is at a club like Manchester United. Yeah, no, I don't you think know, it's fair. All, Everyone, all that, a lot of yeah. people always say that, don't they, about the the defenders. Can they trust the goalkeeper? But yeah, mm. it, it works absolutely. Just of course it does. Of course it does. So I'll tell you what, if, if things had come out during my time or anything and we had Big Pete behind us, I'm quite sure that people would have looked at the players around Big Pete and questioned him. No one was going to question Big Pete's ability. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to. They weren't going to do it. And he's in that again. The goal, when a, when Maguire gets done in the by, byline, no one says drop him. That's rubbish. But he's the one who started the problem. He's and he was the major problem in that goal. But the moment the ball goes in, it's straight away. It's David De Gea. It's his fault because it's in the net. What about it being prior to getting in the net? You have to look through every line and say to yourself, could it have been stopped? How how could that have been stopped, that situation? But we go straight to the horse's mouth and we blame the goalkeeper because it's gone in at the near post and goalkeepers, when it goes, it's always their fault. What about the striker? What a great finish, using the eyes, thinking that he's going to go, he's going to square it across the six-yard box. He's going to pull it back to someone on the penalty spot. There's, there's, there's three things there the goalkeeper's got to think about, which, which one is going to go. 
And so somewhere he's got to adjust his body and be in a position to maybe try and deal with all three. Yeah, I'm lucky. Sorry to interrupt, Paul, but exactly that same goal was scored by Martial against Watford. Yeah. Um, And everyone was praising Martial for scoring the goal of the month. Um, And that was a few before the break, wasn't it? So, um, well, I mean, people are going to be listening to this thinking, oh my God, we've won two games. We've got to start talking about the positive aspect of it. But I I think, yeah, it's good to talk about the the sort of imperfections. But one thing that we've. Probably one thing we were talking about before the the um, enforced break as well was the um, well the Burnley game at home where we looked at, at our inability to respond in that game and probably because of the you know lack of a player like Fernandez and you're thinking where can they get that motivation from now I'm not saying it's a good thing to let in goals but considering how well United have played since the restart I think it was good for them to get a little bit of a shock and to say well what are you made of now. What I was really impressed with, Paul, is the fact that they answered everything emphatically before half-time. They didn't need Oli to give them a rocket. So you've got Greenwood and... Ra- well, maybe the, the, you could say that the fight-back was led by Fernandez and Greenwood, um, the way that we came back into the game. I know that that might be giving a disservice to Martial and Rashford, but they were really the ones who sort of inspired the turnaround. But that's the the biggest thing to take from the game. I know we're going to talk about the quality in the second half, but the character to fight back on their own resilience was, for me, the biggest takeaway on Saturday. Um, How did you see that? Well, I look at the bit when the... um, I look at the... The first break, I don't know what you, I don't know what we should call it now because it could be part and parcel of the game. Should we call it the first quarter break? (laughs) I'm scared to say that because somewhere along the line, I'm sure the Premier League and Sky are going to try and throw it, throw in that break all the time. I'm sure it doesn't make sense to me why they're doing it. It doesn't make any sense. If someone people come out and say it's July, everyone was expecting some regular hot and everything. Somewhere along the line, I think they should maybe ask the players if they want that because it's affecting some teams. By the way, when you look at what's going on with teams' possession and you look at the, the way some teams come out of it, because after Oli. You, did, if you saw it, did you see Ollie's face fr- through that moment? Did you oh, see the way he was? Why he his face was he was angry, he was fuming from that goal, absolutely fuming, and he said a few things to Harry Maguire, and it was it was really short and sharp. It was he looked. I wish I could lip read or something, but it was. You look at his face and what he was coming out of his mouth, and it wasn't he wasn't talking to anybody. He was talking at. Yeah. And to be honest, I saw I saw a person doing that before in similar situations coming to the touchline, and you was never going to um, <coughs> speak back. That just said you listen and deal with it, and that's what he said. That's what he, he did during that break. There was no going up and going round and talking to him, trying to rally him. He just come down, said what he had to say, and as he's walking back, he's still speaking, and that's the and that was like virtually saying, now you do what I'm saying. And don't even think about talking back to me because whatever it is, I'm right, you're wrong. And that's how he talked. And, that's, and that, was a, that was Sir Alex in the way he'd done it. Everything was like that. And I could see it. And he, he spoke more, to, he said a more to Maguire than anything because it, I think that, that bothered him. That really bothered him what he saw in that first bit. And yes, they did, they did improve and they did come back from a, a start which the way they play the ball around initially and people might think to themselves oh no you're being picky here but they pass that ball around and I'm doing that game and I'm, and I'm turning around saying 
great. They're playing with confidence, but they're playing with no purpose. Yeah. They're playing because they straight away they've gone to that pitch and everyone was saying talking how many it was going to be. That was a talking everywhere. United are going to win by so many. Going to do this. My thought was, <coughs> no, I don't believe that's going to happen. If it's going to happen, you have to make it happen. United have to be better than what they were in their previous game and really want to win, rather than rather than believing it's going to win. They had to want to make it win in that first. 20 minutes or so, they didn't really, until the goal, they didn't really want to win. They felt it was just going to happen. never happens in football. It doesn't matter how well you're playing the week before. Someone can just come, come, come along and take it away from you. And look at Man City. Scored, scored four, maybe could have been five against Liverpool. Come back, bang, they go and lose one nil away. How many people had Southampton to go, sorry, Southampton to win that game? Not many. Because everyone saw City and thought, no, they're going to finish the season unbeaten. They're going to go and prove a point. Bang! It's all gone. It's collapsed from. And that's another. That's, that was. An, that was like them virtually realising they weren't going to win the league. It was a massive kick in the in the rude spot for them losing that game. A massive pep is on a massive downer. So when they done that, United and that goal, it woke up a few. It certainly, it certainly the manager was awake. He was there watching it and he said a few sharp words and they suddenly realised they've got to go and do something here up against a poor side we're fighting back. And bang, they done it. Got themselves in a good position. He makes a substitution at half-time. I don't know. I haven't seen anywhere why he made that substitution, Wayne. Why did Lindelof off? I think it was to give by some time, um, you know, because of the fact that we were two goals up. Um, maybe Lindelof had a knock as well, but I didn't see anything for why he should have been brought off. Um, he, didn't, well, he, did, he certainly didn't struggle in the first half with an injury. Well, I mean, I think myself sometimes it, you do things like that, unless it's maybe if he brought brought by on as a sub, it might be more eased in rather than coming on directly after half time to get into the sink sink of trying to get into a game, a game that's already a little bit of a pattern. Because the first thing he had to do was try and control the ball. Matic's worst pass of the day around his throat and to be honest nine times out of ten where that ball hit him in the, in a normal game of football but now football is at normal now because of VAR and playing it playing in July as well is that it's giving him handball when it's virtually hit him on his actual shoulder actually on the on the bone on the knobble it's him on his shoulder and and because it's may have the, a bit of it might have touched the top of his forearm, that's handball. And it was an intention. It was trying to control the ball. But when you look at him, you say to yourself, I'll tell you what, given how that ball was hit and where it was going to, you should, maybe you should have just let that go and hope that De Gea, David De Gea, could have got across and, and maybe caught it on his chest or done something with it. And then you could have both of you given Matic a dirty look and you could have moved on. But it could have a better team. It could have re-enlightened them because I'm saying I said at half time. I said the only thing Bournemouth can do is maybe come out, try and try and just weather a storm and see if they can nick a goal as early as possible. But they're going to have to weather a storm when United come out. And to be honest, they got given it without a storm. They got given a goal, and you think yourself, hold on a minute here, this could change. But lucky enough, the players were still still wanting to prove a point. And they went and took the game away from Bournemouth. That game could have finished 7-5. Seven, seven yeah. Could have finished 7-5 with the opportunities around and what the referees disallowed and, and what's gone on. It's, it's, it's got, it, that game was silly. It's everything about, in that game that told you the correct side won the game. 
And certain bits, the manner in which they won it, you think, of course, that wasn't good. But everything tells you how United, how well they've been playing and they're scoring goals. But it tells you everything about VAR at this moment in time. It's not correct. <laughs> it's, it's, um, I was one of those people with VAR coming in. It's going to kill the man in the pub or club having a conversation because everything was everything's going to be correct. It's like American football and even rug, and watching rugby union, rugby league now. The referees, the thing that comes up on the screens and what comes up, every time there's never no arguments. Everyone goes, yep, it's black and white. In football, where, you, where it can't be really black and white, there is massive problems going on. Everyone is actually talking about VAR rather than the game. Teams like United are being called Varchester because of it. <laughs> Everyone, everyone's throwing up reasons. The reason why Man United are winning because VAR's on their side. You know, all, all those things are coming up now for reasons why you're winning. You think to yourself, blimey, that's, that's the conversation. We're not talking about individual players, great players and this anymore, or good teams. We're talking about, oh, you only won because of that. So, so that's the problem. We're not blaming referees. Referees, as Marino was saying the other days, which he, he was trying to say, I'm, I can't say, I can't say, I don't, you know, I'll be fine, I'll be fine, which he did say anyway. He was having, he, said, he, he disrespected the referee by saying, the ref, oh, he's not a referee. He, he's just a man, he's virtually saying he's just a man in the middle of the park. Yeah. He's not running the game. It's other people doing it. So it was disrespect to the referee. He's just, you know, and, and, that's, and that's what he's gone and done. And that sums him up, really. But still, the problem is the man in the middle hasn't got to say, why, why couldn't the referee, and we all know who he is anyway, I don't want to say his name because otherwise that means he gets publicity, which he thrives on, is that why couldn't he actually see that himself and go, I'll tell you what, I, th- I believe that's hit him on the, on the thing, Bob, there. No. Why couldn't he go and look at the screen and go and do it? Because by Christ, for three or four minutes, he must have just wanted to go back in the dressing room. <laughs> he must have felt absolutely... Even though United won that game, again, that's another player who mostly has had a, a sleepless night. Looking at what happened now. Maguire for being, being ripped apart on the byline and him... First, first touch was off his shoulder bone, stroke forearm, and he gets a penalty against him. Sorry, yeah, he gets, he gets, yeah, it's a penalty, wasn't it? They give a penalty against him, and it was by the thickness of a shirt that he was just inside. His feet were outside, but his body was in. Yeah. Ridiculous. Was ridic- yeah, it was yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but United's response, Paul, was brilliant. Um, and Greenwood, again, leading the charge with that. His second goal uh, reminded me so much of, um, can you remember it? You were on the pitch, I'm sure you remember. Andre's goal against Oldham in the semi-final in 94, where he dances across the pitch and scores it in, in the top corner. It just reminded me so much of that goal. Um, but aside from the quality of the goal, was like you said in the first half, it was the um, instinct to be proactive and take the, the game by the scruff of the neck and to say, you know, we're still in control of this. Um, two great finishes from Greenwood again and you know we said about Brighton being a game which was defining for him this was another massive statement was that the quality of the finishes was, was just unbelievable wasn't it yeah it was it, it was it was it was unreal to be perfectly honest and, and I'm one of them who kind of look at it I think myself oh you know, in a certain way, I think people might realise realise already. I am a sceptic on certain things, and but you have to when you look at a young player because there's always talk about young players at United, but there hasn't been young players coming through. There's ones who have had games, but it ha- it's just gone to having games. There hasn't been one for a long while who's actually made a massive footprint of intent. Yeah. 
you know, there's a lot of them who fluffed around, but he's, at the moment, he's gone and done that. And mostly, I would come out and say, would he be the first real one since we talk about the way Ryan Giggs come on? People say, what about Paul Scholes and all them? Yes, they did, but everyone kind of, in a way, knew about them in a certain way. Yeah. Mason has been around, but he, he hasn't really, he, he's been, but he's suddenly just moved on. That, that, the lockdown period has made a massive difference to him as a man. He's become more of a man. His body shape has changed for the better. He's got, he, looks, he looks the part. Not that footballers use their physique because they fall down too often to actually, to actually prove how strong those muscles are. They look good, but they don't, we don't know how strong they are. But he's kind of made himself... So he looks more imposing. So mentally, he's, he's young, but he's not a person. When you look at him, go, I, I can knock you around anymore because he does, cause he's, everything suggests that you can't because he's bulked up. So again, that was intent on his part to want to do it. Someone can make you, say to you, you, you've got to do that and put it in front of you, but you have to want to do it, and he wants to do it. So the lad has, the lad has come on immensely, and he's, he's going to prove <laughs> he's going to prove a massive point and be, become something, as you mentioned at the, the top of us doing it, and suddenly become a player that United haven't had for ages, which is a young player who plays on the front line. Yeah. When they haven't done that, they haven't had that... Since Ryan, as you mentioned, I think you're absolutely right with that. And I think people listen to this and say, "Well, what about Marcus Rashford? What about McTominay?" I think the key differences, and you know, like you said, they might say, "Well, what about Scholes? What about Beckham? What about O'Shea? What about Fletch?" It's not the point about the players coming through. In those circumstances, they didn't come in and demand a first team spot. Even Rashford, he came, he was brought in because there was an injury to a substitute on the day. He was brought in and he was given that chance. He wasn't knocking down... I, I mean this with all respect to Rashford because I, I think he's evolved and developed into an outstanding player and he sees that opportunity when it came to him. Much in the same way that Gary Neville did when when you lost your place in the team because of that, because of the injuries. It wasn't like he was knocking down the door with reserve team performances. Um, the, the opportunity was there. Um, for for him to do that, whereas Ryan Giggs did, he broke into the first team because he couldn't hold him back anymore, hmm. and um, that's what Mason's done. He's done it in a different way to what Rashford did it, to what McTominay did it, and they're just recent examples. Um, so yeah, absolutely, and, and two great goals. Fernandez and another fantastic goal as well. But maybe um, we should talk a little bit about, about Martial's Paul because I mean he scored some good goals for United and quite similar goals to this one, but. I think this one might be um, the best of the bunch that he scored for United. It was unbelievable, wasn't it? That strike. It was. It was. It was a good strike, but it's come from nowhere because he was nowhere to be seen. Mm. To be perfectly honest, it. You know, the one thing that you know that in football is that we keep talking about these people, and every time we come back, but he scored so many goals, and that takes away everything that you kind of were trying to say that he didn't see him, he didn't do this, he, but he scored a goal. Much in the way of the way I am about Harry Kane, I'd like to. I want to see Harry Kane. You know, great that he scores goals and he, he does that, and he nicked a goal the other day. But when you look you look at his performances, his performance against Manchester United, he, he wasn't there. Yeah. Absolutely, just away. And people throw with his injury. It takes time. He has to change that picture because every time he gets injured, it's the same story. It takes him time to get going. But that ain't going to work forever. You've got to add. You've got to be able to change it, and he's not changing it at this moment in time. Um, um, Harry Kane but Martial 
he was out of the game. He wasn't really there at all. And, and that's what everyone is, everyone is when he scored that hat-trick. No one come out and said, great, yeah, great, this. And people, the first thing in people's minds is, what's going to happen in the next game and the game after that? In the game, are we going to see him again? And I haven't really seen him since he got that hat-trick until he scored, until he scored that goal. And you think, so there's unbelievable ability there. And I think that's the most frustrating thing for maybe a lot of United fans, the real United fans are, are kind of going, but if he'd done that every week, we'd be talking about him in the same breath as Wayne Rooney, the same breath as Ronaldo when I was at Manchester United. In that, and other ones, people can throw other names, but I'm just talking about the ones that come first into my head. But he doesn't do it consistently and great players become great players not because of what they do in one game or two games, it's what they do consistently. And he just does not do it consistently enough with the abilities that he has. When you look at the abilities, has a certain player comes to mind, a French a French player who could play anywhere across that line, and he's got the same attributes as that player. The difference was that player was consistent week in, week out. He virtually become a one-man show for one team, for one, you know, for that team. He was like a one-man show, but he had great players around him as well. But everyone talked about him because he stuck above them. And they all appreciate each other. And that was Omri. Hmm. He has the same attributes, the pace, the quick feet, the finishing. When, you go, when he gets one-on-one, -on -one, he's clinical, by the way, as we all know. But he doesn't get in those positions enough. I, I don't see him as an out-and-out centre-forward. I still really believe that if United really want to push on, they need to go and get themselves an outstanding or find an outstanding centre-forward, one that can maybe face up but one can, who actually will turn round and will score goals given the opportunities and, and joining in link play, and that, which is part and parcel of what Manchester United have always been about. And they've got two great midfield players in Fernandes and Pogba who want to link, link the game. They've got Matic who, does, who likes playing to a front person as well from a longer distance. But the problem is they haven't got a front player who can do that on a regular basis. But still, United at this moment in time are playing well and winning games of football. So what the hell do I know, Wayne? No, no I think you're right because I look at I, that's exactly it. It's, you look at that game, you see them scoring five goals. You're thrilled by what they did. Five, you know, fantastic goals. They've played some amazing football, and you look at it. And maybe this is just you being. Um, someone who's played with such distinction playing for the club and me who's, who's watched all those years and you look at it thinking there's so much more potential here you know there's something in there to be even better and and yes you could look at it from outside and say well if we had such and such a player but I think like you I think my frustration is and not, not really frustration maybe it's even hope and excitement in a way, but it comes out as frustration at the moment, is that you know that the potential's there, you know that we've got it within the club to be even better than what we are and yes, I mean, it's a good thing to be looking at this after a 5-2 win and saying, oh, it could have been 7 or 8 um, absolutely that um, but yeah, Martial um, yeah, it was a great goal and I think I'm exactly the same as you, let's see what happens next time out um, the last thing, or a couple of things I guess from the Bournemouth game. The first one was the penalty, um, the penalty incident, where um, you know Bruno's been taking all the penalties, but um, Rashford stepped up and took this one. Um, a lot of people have come out and said, "Oh, um, you know, they shouldn't have switched penalty takers again after doing it early on in the season." 
I, th- I felt this time round, you know, I, th- I could see why because Rashford needed a goal, and I, th- I actually thought it was good unity this time round. What did you think? No, I, th- I agree with that. And to be honest, it didn't cross my mind until um, you just said that. Rashford took it. Rashford took it, and I thought myself, oh. But then I thought myself, hold on a minute, I'm seeing something different here. But it never could, until you said, yeah, Bruno's been taking them, and he's been incredible the way he's taken them. There's never been anything where you you felt it or you actually thought to yourself, Oof, that was fortunate because penalties have been absolutely excellent. But now you say that, yeah, Rashford did take it. So yes, in answer to your question, hundred percent behind that. There was a there was enough there. And there was that belief, but more importantly, there was unity for him to turn around and say, "For us to be, to, for us to go on and be better, we need one of our good players to to feel comfortable. They're, they're working hard, they're getting themselves back fit, but more importantly to him, for his headspace, he needs a goal. Yeah. Bang, go and take it, go and have it." And he did it. There, there wasn't, I mean, that's the thing about it. It was just a case of he's walked up there and gone and done it. There wasn't kind of like anything at all no one noticed anything as such before it he virtually must have just a hand sign or the look of the eyes or something and said go on go and have it and he's gone and done it no fuss and he's gone he's gone in the back of the net simple yeah. and, and that's it so yes I understand what people are saying because of what happened before but then there were there wasn't the same there wasn't the same personnel there wasn't the same vibe it wasn't right things it wasn't right at that given time when we were missing those when those penalties were being missed, it wasn't right at that time Within, with everything. It was moving forward, it had moved forward, but it wasn't where it is now. So that's the difference. And when things work like that, you have to turn around and, you know, say, you know, pat Ollie on the back and tell him, remind him that he's got, remind him, or everyone should be reminded, what he's created so far within that club. You, people will only look at results and people will judge things on results. And the man, the man that Oli, who sees as his mentor, looked for more. The result was always there. He, he will take the result, but he looks on the reasons why he got that result, and he built and he looks at things in those situations. And he would look at that, and he would be, and that's something that he would have been proud of because he knows that he created that because of and what's going on. And one of the things about it, when you talk about performances and whatever, is that we won a game at Coventry. We won five 0 at Highfield Road. We got in after the game. The, bo- the boss gave us the biggest rollicking ever. <laughs> so, so, and, and, you know, and as much as Oli knew they was going to win that game at, at half-time, or sorry, at the first quarter, he knew that he knew that it was going to win it, he, but, but he went down and he made a point of getting things off his chest about certain individuals, and it took, took them forward. I'm sure after that game, as much as it looked an emphatic victory in the scoreline, and it maybe could have been more for United, the difference was that Bournemouth could have scored more. They, they let themselves down early on. They didn't do the right things at the start of the second half. So he, would have, he wouldn't have been entirely happy with what he's seen. And he will use that to remind the players in the next game about how they just were letting it happen rather than making it happen and finishing the team off. Because all the games that United have got left are games they are expected to win. The same as they were last season and obviously pre-lockdown. They was expected to win a certain amount of games with teams they played against. The problem was they wasn't. Yeah. Now, people are looking now and people are going to judge them now because of it now, the situation they're in. Going to look at those games coming up and going to turn around and, and going to judge United even more how they go about it. So when you play the weaker teams, you have to go out and when you beat them, you have to beat them well. That's the, that's the difference when you're Manchester United. 
So that's what people are looking at, how they do it. And, and that's what Ollie's looking for as well. He's looking for them to win the games and actually win it, win them with ease as well on the fact of you're far superior and then proving it. Not just playing 60, 70% knowing you're going to win. He'd want them at 100%. Exactly what he wants that Brighton performance for every single game. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. If anyone listens to this and thinks, oh, you've been a little bit cautious, a little bit negative, I don't think we are. I think we're just like, oh, my God, that was brilliant to watch. Now let's do it again, especially because, yes, you could argue about the standard of the opposition other than the fact, you know, um, you can only beat the team that's in front of you. Yeah. But a, a big factor on that, Paul, and I think, again, let, let's continue giving Ollie praise for this. And, um, you know, we've talked about in the past where can he make a change, but we talk on an individual game basis. We talk after every single game. We say, what could be better? What could be worse? How could we improve moving forward? And we've debated the merits of switching players. But I think we would both, within that argument, both give a lot of praise and say that we are seeing the benefit of the fact that Ollie has said, no, I've, I've now picked my team. This is my 11, and you've got to try and get into it. I mean... It's the first, it's no coincidence for me, but this is the first time in 30, it might be 13 years that we've kept the same team for three consecutive league games. So that's under Fergie in the 2006-07 season, right at the kind of stage of what we were now, you know, in terms of, well, we need to get a, a, a consistent team back together and, and see how they develop. And um, we're in a similar sort of stage of our sort of team's development. Uh, maybe not similar, maybe a little bit behind, but I think people could draw the comparison and say it's a fair one. Um, and United have seen the benefits. Th- you know, three games in a row without changing the the um, team. Three games in a row where we've played, uh, this is in the league, by the way, where we've played fantastic football and scored a lot of goals as well. I mean, and, and that's credit to Ollie. As much as it is credit to the players, as I've given credit to the players, that's massive um, on Ollie's, um in his plus column, isn't it? Yeah, I think people might have seen my... I've done a bit, so I do a regular bit for Eurosport, and I turned around and said, there's people out there who, who don't want to say well done to him. They're willing to come out if he gets bit, if he loses a game and turn around and say he shouldn't be the manager of Manchester United. <clears throat> and there might be good reason for those people who might want to come out and say it. And maybe he shouldn't be manager, but the moment he is, and he's made the he's made the biggest biggest impact of any manager since Sir Alex. And I don't just mean going by that first those first games when he when he went and initially when he started when he went on that unbeaten run, because they were winning those games, but they weren't winning them in a the manner in which they're winning games now at this moment in time. Everything was done, and you kind of go great. He was you're going great, but you didn't see and have that belief that it could always go. It could always go on. And that's me being a skeptic. I couldn't believe that it was going to get because it was still wasn't right. There was just about getting over the line. It was euphoria that was keeping it going. And I was at a few of those games, and the fans were loving it. The away fans because it's they were absolutely loving it. But I wonder how, how many of them were 100 percent thinking that it was going to get to where they are now in the fact of where now they really do believe and know that it's going to happen every time they go there that United are going to give an assured performance whatever happens and that's what United are about yes winning games is great it's fantastic but you've got to give out assured regular performances and that's what they're doing at this moment in time a little bit of a wobble but they'll learn from what happened against Bournemouth in that sense of how to go in those games how to be in those games and that would be said to them by the manager but there is that belief now that they can step forward in a sense of 
can they go and be assured? Would everyone start next season? Would everyone believe at this moment in time that United will be would get would guarantee Champions League football for the season after? And I have to say, now people will say, without a doubt, United at this present moment, you would have to say that they could guarantee a top four spot. Yeah, you would but, say you would say maybe not at City and Liverpool's level, but certainly <clears throat> there's a debate over whether they're as good as Chelsea. So what, what, yeah, but you look at but you can look at Chelsea. You can, and I saw I was at West Ham the other day, and Frank Lampard's got big problems, yeah. centre of defence. He has to sort out and get himself two centre. Well, at least one centre half he can rely on. He bad is more of a defensive left back, in that sense. They're crying out for one. He's been Chilwell's been mentioned. I don't think that's a step forward, but they still need it. So they need it. They need something. Set yourself. Well, at the moment, they're in a better position than what Chelsea are. And the performances against Chelsea this season, yeah. Oli's done well as well against Chelsea. They've, you know, those games, I was lucky enough to be at, was it the League Cup game I was there for? And I watched and they were absolutely fantastic that evening. <clears throat> you know, a good game. The League game as well there. They've done, they've done really, really well. And you think to yourself, right, OK, it's Chelsea. What about Spurs? Well, that's enough said about Spurs. You can't see them going forward. It's as simple as that. So you think, so who else is going to be competing now? And I'll tell you what, when you talk about another team competing to get in now, you have to talk about Wolves. Yeah. I would look at Wolves before Spurs. So you think to yourself, hold on a minute. Yes, United can go in now. And then you can virtually say that they're going to compete and they're going to get a top four finish, which is a step forward for Oli and Manchester United. For people who are out there, the new Manchester United fans, the ones who expect Champions League and winning Champions League and winning the league and winning the FA Cup and doing quadruples every single season, things take time. But if they look back at United prior, post maybe Twitter and things like that, United were quite successful over a long period of time. And whatever's happened after that has been little bursts. So things will come around and United will step forward because the foundation of the club now in the sense of the manager has got a lot of things better between what's on the pitch and off the pitch. He's got it right at this moment. So he's taken United by. I still think they need a little bit more stability from up top to know what direction the club is going. And if that happens, then everything on the pitch will be that little bit easier for the manager as well. So United can, at this moment in time, compete and be in that top four for the season after, for this time next year, really, be in a top four position to guarantee Champions League. This time, at this moment in time now, they're pushing towards it very strongly to go and do it. And it's, Leicester and Chelsea are going to both have to work hard to stay in those positions at this moment in time because the moment even one of them slips up, United are going to get there because the games they've got left suggest that their performance, the performances so far, absolutely guarantee it. Yeah. And obviously that game against Leicester shaping up to be a key one as well. Um, but a few to go before that. Um, we'll talk about one of them in a second. But um, just before we talk about the Villa game, Angel Gomez left the club. His contract expired last <coughs> week and he left on a free transfer. Um, I remember talking to Clayton about this, Clayton Blackmore, um, when I was working on his book. So we're talking like coming up five four or five years ago and he was saying about how he thought Angel was good enough to be in the first team then and maybe that s- spoke about the the quality in the first team at the time um, 
it's not really happened for him. He's shown flashes when he came on. Um, maybe size counted against him a little bit. It, maybe he didn't ever... Yes, he was short, but I mean, maybe his physical stature, he never really looked like he was um, ready to take that step up and play in the first team for United. Um, no doubt in he's got a lot of talent. Um, a lot of people now saying, oh, United should have, you know, thrown money at him. They should have given him what he wanted, but it's difficult to say that when you see how United are playing, isn't it? You know, it's, you look at Mason Greenwood and there's the, that's the perfect example of a player getting his chance and seizing that opportunity. And, you know, that came from the same opportunity that Angel Gomez had. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, there's a, there's a way that players play in games and maybe Gomez was doing it, you know, for like the under-23s or where it was. Mostly he was, he was shining out there and... I'm assuming that maybe Mason Green, Greenwood is as well, but there's a way that people do it in a fashion which sometimes a manager can see that maybe say, that's a little bit more towards what I'm looking for. And maybe the academy coach, academy director, whoever it is, maybe as much as Gomez was playing well, he couldn't see him making a difference in that same way he was him in the first team. And we can talk about it, but if the lad's contracts ran out, <clears throat> there's a reason why. And there's a reason why he he won't sign a new one. And if it's about he wants and believes he can get regular football in the first team somewhere else, that's fine. Nothing you you can't knock a player for that rather than just signing a contract just to be somewhere and quite happy just to be in the peripheral mm. and content with that rather than actually being somewhere making a massive impact. So if Gomez is going to use it to go somewhere, you know, not end up at Chelsea as it keeps being written about or go abroad somewhere and actually go out and play regular first-team football, that's great. I think that go, go and prove it, then you can come back at some point or someone else, the level of United or around that, will will mostly go and take it because you're proving the point that size, you know, is, is not against you. You are a good player, as we've proven that most of the greatest players we've seen over certain generations have only been, been no bigger than me and maybe even smaller than me, if you were to name them. So go and prove a point. But if he's gone and done that on the fact of money, because he can get more money somewhere else, because someone is, his agent has told him he can get more and you deserve better, then there's a problem. There is a big, big problem that he might just find. Because I'm, I'll be very, very surprised to see a Premier League, a Premier League side take him and he plays regularly to be honest, and what I've seen of him, because he hasn't made an impact when he's coming. I haven't seen enough when he's coming to suggest that he can go and he can go straight into any side. And a lot of the other players who have played during the, the Europa League run, which Oli has used, and he's used them well, because United are still in the competition as well. So that tells you that these players have had a lot of time on the pitch and Oli's still in the Europa League. So, you know, fair play to him for that. None of them have really done enough to prove anything except Green, Greenwood. And sometimes he wasn't in the game, Mason. But when he, but there's bits that he's done that has actually made Oli think and he's come forward. So Gomez going isn't really going to affect, it doesn't affect Manchester United, a young player going. It's all a drama now. There's young players who have left clubs since, since the 30th of June. No one's talked about them, but there's going to be one of them that all of a sudden is going to pop up and we go, wow. 
and everyone will go, oh, why didn't we get him? He finished, contracts finished, why didn't we get him? Yeah. It's because he was a late, because that person mostly was a late bloomer, got a new impetus about himself because he's left that place where he felt nothing was happening and he's mostly been feeling free now. Someone's taken the shackles off him, he's allowed to go and express himself, bang, and then he goes and makes a name for himself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, football is a strange game like that. Um, yeah, You're going to get all kinds of different things. Um, last game then, Aston Villa... Um, they were decent against Liverpool in a 2 0 defeat. They held them out for a long time. I mean, I remember. I don't know if you've seen the the clips. There's some clips online of um, BT Sports coverage of the United Bournemouth game when it was one nil. You know the the um, first break, the drinks break, and you've got Eddie Howe telling his players, "Enjoy defending, enjoy defending." Um, and I, I get the feeling that that's the kind of message that was put into Villa's mind, and maybe that'll be their sort of. Um, mode of operation against us um, so it's going to be a tough one isn't it I mean they're not they're, they're, they are where they are for a reason but United are still um, going to go there as um, heavy favourites and they're not going to be I'm just saying it's not going to be a straightforward win um, as, as much as United are going to be favourites United can't afford to go and let themselves down after being, to go and <clears throat> to lose at Villa mm-hmm. Villa Park in a way has been like a little bit of a happy hunting ground for United in certain ways, a lot of successes there in the FA Cup as well in semi-finals. Yeah. So um, they should they should be going there and they should be winning. Everything about Villa suggests that United shouldn't be losing that game. They shouldn't really even be conceding the goal because Villa are terrible as an attacking unit. They're terrible, terrible defensively. They're not good. They've got no they've got no improvisation or creativity from midfield. They are struggling. They have spent over 150 million. And they've got nothing in return, nothing at all in, in return. And it's like for them, it's like going to buying a bag of sweets and you love the green ones, but you open the bag up and there's no green ones in there because they've spent 150 million on nothing. There's no return on investment for what they've gone and spent. So as a team, they've been poor from the moment from the moment the season started. You know, it's everything about Villa for me. <clears throat> I just there's something about Villa. I grew up. You know, grew up as a young. You know, I remember in the eighties. You know, they win. A, you know, they they win. You know, the European Cup and they had incredible. And Villa Park is just one of those grounds. I I love playing at Villa Park. Even sometimes I went there as a Queens Park Rangers player, and it was just it wasn't nowhere near as full. But it was just something about the way that ground seems to be growing over the top of you. It was just like that stand, the main stand. It just seems like it's over the whole ten. It's got something about Villa Park. The problem is the team. Have got nothing to do with nothing to do with Aston Villa. They are they are seriously seriously poor, mm. and United should not be losing that game against them. There's nothing good I can say about Aston Villa to be perfectly honest, except they've got a, they've got a great ground with great tradition, a legendary legendary ex chairman who has sadly passed, and and that is about Aston Villa really at this moment in time. Yeah, shell of a club. Um, well, of what they used to be, um, but let's hope that we're still saying that next week when we talk about yeah. the United game. Could come back to bite us uh, on that one, but yeah, um, yeah, I share, I share your optimism, especially if we keep the same team. Um, Ollie's doing great things, and um, long may that continue. That sort of sums it up for this week. Um, we do have Southampton next Monday as well. I'm not quite decided whether we'll record on Monday or Tuesday to cover that game, so we'll we'll come to that when it comes. Um, if you enjoyed the podcast give us a nice rating or review on iTunes if you want to submit questions or topics for us to discuss on next week's show or any show relay just use the hashtag 
Talking Devils on Twitter or contact either of us on, on social media or Talk of the Devils on social media as well. Um, that's it for this week, guys. We'll be back next week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.